Free Talk Live, Friday edition. We're starting up our number one, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet eight toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so do enjoy those. They're on us, freetalklive.com. We're going to start things out here tonight with a story about the Grand Canyon. Apparently, there's been a gag order placed on the people who run the Grand Canyon. And I believe it is a government bureaucracy that runs the place. Well, well yeah, it's the park, the, uh, service. park service or something like that. Uh, this is from the Daily Cause, and it's, it's hard to believe, but um, I, I checked their, you know, their site, and it's on there. So um, let's go with it. This may be one of the most bizarre stories um, seen in recently, which is uh, saying a lot. Your federal government is apparently unwilling to investigate whether or not the Grand Canyon was created by the biblical flood of Noah just 6,000 years ago. It's my understanding the biblical flood occurred 4,000 years ago. Oh, whatever. Uh, But either way, um, this is from a nonprofit uh, group of scientists and related employees called the Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility. I saw their press release, the P-E-E-R, Public Mm -hmm. Employees for Environmental Responsibility. That's the original source. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, first off, I would say I don't want the uh, uh, Grand Canyon bureaucrats investigating anything. Right. Um, I don't want to have to pay for any kind of geological studies that uh, the government might do on the whatever Grand task force or study group that uh, would be formed, whatever millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars would be allocated. But I'm sure that lots of people in America um, would be fine with that. And the fact that there's a gag order put on it for um, you know specific purposes is I find strange. Um, you know, and we'll find out what those specific purposes are. Grand Canyon National Park is not permitted to give an official estimate of the geological age of its principal feature, that would be the Grand Canyon, due to pressure from the Bush administration appointees. Despite really? Yes, despite promise, um, prompt, promising a prompt review of its approval for a book claiming the Grand Canyon was created by Noah's flood rather than a, by geological forces more than three years later, no review has ever been done and the book remains on sale at the park according to documents released today by Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility. I, environmental Responsibility? What's that got to do with the age of the Grand Canyon? Anyway, in order to avoid offending religious fundamentalists, our National Park Service is under orders to suspend its belief in geology, said Peer Executive Director Jeff Rich. Rich? It's uh, disconcerting that the official position of the National Park as to the geological age of the Grand Canyon is... No comment. I wish that the, uh, um, you know, their their answer to, you know, just existing was no comment. I mean, I don't see why the uh, Grand Canyon has to be owned by a government uh, bureaucracy anyway. I mean, can't somebody own it and, you know, charge people to see it? That's they what, could. That's what they're doing. Well, they could. Of course, that would require the government to sell it to someone. Well, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I imagine they just took it in the first place. Sure. Just like they took, uh, they they took all of the West. I mm-hmm. mean, they own currently about two thirds of the West, as far as I understand. This is ours. In a letter released today, Peer urged the new um, director of the National Park Service, Mary Bomar, to end the stalling tactics, remove the book from sale at the park, and allow park interpretive rangers to honestly answer questions from the public about the geological age of the Grand Canyon. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. If you go to the uh, the Grand Canyon, you're there with your uh, class or field trip or whatever, and you ask the park guy, how long, how old is this Grand Canyon? Hey, Mr. Park Ranger, how old's the Grand Canyon? I'm not permitted to answer that, Joey. 
Why not? I can't explain. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that, that's uh, <laughs> it's really political. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty... It, and absurd. That, that part is dumb and absurd. Um, you know, I would agree with you. But, um, you know, if it was owned by a private enterprise, they could sell whatever book they want. If they wanted to sell a book that said that the um, Grand Canyon was created by Noah... That's true. Fine. And, or not Noah, but uh, the Noah's Flood, I should say. Um the, is that was that the allegation that it was the flood that created the Grand Canyon? That's that's what the book said. That's a, that's equally absurd. Well, how come it didn't create a canyon every place else? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, what can I tell you? Um, Pierre is also asking Director Bomar to approve a pamphlet suppressed since 2002 by Bush appointees, providing um, guidance for rangers and other interpretive staff in making distinctions between science and religion when speaking to park visitors about geological issues. Um, there's a little bit more to the backstory here. Um, in August 2003, the park superintendent, Joe Alston, attempted to block the sale of park bookstores of, um, of Grand Canyon, a different view, by Tom Vale, a book claiming the, the canyon developed a biblical rather than a evolutionary time scale. Um, NPS headquarters, however, intervened and overruled Alston. To uh, quiet the resulting fervor, NPS chief of communications, David Benah, um, told reporters and uh, members of Congress that there would be a high-level policy review of the issue. You know, that's going to take forever. So this is what, uh, essentially you're saying this is what the government's spending its time on? I mean, there's actually somebody in the Bush administration whose job it is to ensure that the the uh, Park Service keeps quiet about how long it took, how in reality, uh, the Grand Canyon to be created. It the, doesn't, it doesn't the billions look like of years. It doesn't look like they're uh, spending much time on it. It says, according to a recent NPS um, response from the Freedom of Information Act request filed by Peer, no such review was ever requested, let alone conducted or completed. Actually, we have no problem with either the book or anyone who um, chooses to believe that the Grand Canyon is 6,000 years old. Four, if you believe in the Bible, because that's not right. It's a free country, right? Although, in the end, we, um, we'd agree that it's not such a great idea to sell such a religiously-based tract on federal property, which bothers us, though, is how the, um, this typifies the government's indifference to science on any subject, including the things that it matter most. What matters most? How about this? A giant ice shelf. Oh, gosh, this is the, 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 the ice shelf that uh, cracked off of the uh, North Pole. I, I didn't see how they... Uh, Slip this in. The, this is amazing to huh? me, though. Um, the the Ailey's Ice Shelf, it's uh, 41 square miles okay. of iceberg snapped off of uh, basically the North Pole, an, an island just south of the North Pole in Canada mm -hmm. um, in the last uh, 16 months ago. Oh. It was very recently. And, and, of course, it's global warming and we're all going to die. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the uh, best way to answer that is... Um, well, in the medieval times, they were farming on Greenland. And right. We're not going to die. You know. Okay. The wait. What's the ice have to do with the Grand Canyon? Um, they were sliding that in. Um, as a uh, you know, the Bush administration doesn't pay attention to science. The Bush administration should be doing something about global warming. Um, oh, I see. Here's proof that global warming occurred. The Ailey's ice shelf. Uh, oh, so this off. is the bureaucrats saying that. Uh, the, these, these aren't bureaucrats. This is Pierre. Pierre's a bunch of bureaucrats, right? No, no, this, this is a independent group, not, not for what? profit. Not for profit, yeah. Peers are not Made up of a bunch of bureaucrats, right? It's uh, public employees. For bunch of bureaucrats. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yes. So the federal government, according to them, uh, yes, it's public employees for environmental research. I thought it was just scientists who were, you know, wanting to test the age. And I think that uh, it, because it's federal property and owned by everybody, anyone who wants to go into um, the Grand Canyon and, and figure out the age of the Grand Canyon should be able to do so. 
Um, I don't see that there should be an official park position on any of this. You know, I mean, it just seems. Wait, you don't think that the park should take a position on how old the park is? I don't think the park should be owned the by the government, is? and that's how, how well, difficult it is. Well, I agree. I understand, and I agree that the park shouldn't be owned by the government, but the fact is, it is, and shouldn't they at least, if you're going to have the government owning a park and running tours of the park, uh, which is what we have, shouldn't we at least attempt to be scientifically accurate? Yes. Yes, we should. Well, that's what these people are asking for, and I don't think it's too unreasonable, it's, really. It, um, if... If all they're asking for is a book to be pulled off the shelf, um, but I don't want I don't want to have to pay for any testing, you know they're going to you know whatever. Yeah, what I want kind of not. testing? I don't know. Whatever testing you have to find out to, to no, find out. No, they don't how... need testing. They already know how old it is. Oh, what's going on here, Mark? Is they've been ordered to not say it's billions of years old. Billions. I think billions. I think so. Billions. It's it's probably billions of years old. I thought that's no, I thought it's they... erosion that created the Grand Canyon, and that stuff takes a long time. You a long time. And so the over billions of years, the water eroded away the rock, and now you've got the Grand Canyon. There's, I'm sure there's a scientific answer. You could probably go to Wikipedia right now and pull up Grand Canyon, and there would be an estimate that is probably accepted by a variety of scientists and geologists and that sort of thing as to how old it is. And so this, this organization of bureaucrats, it's hard for me to agree with bureaucrats, but in this case I do. Uh, they're just simply saying, why can't we tell people how old this park is? 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. Coming up, a cyberspace sex scandal may be heading to trial. We'll tell you about it on the way in your calls as well about anything. 800-259-9231. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, Friday edition, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the packet eight. Toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Live streams are there. You tune in. We've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version as well, both of them totally free for you at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Get registered now. February 23rd through the 25th is when it's happening. You can meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnark, and many more of the most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information. That is freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. And, of course, you can get registered there as well. Well, there's going to be a new court case, perhaps, Mark, that may determine whether or not a blogger can reveal private details about someone else's life. Hmm. And what brings uh, the case about is a woman by the name of Jessica Cutler. Now, we've actually mentioned Ms. Cutler in the past, you may recall, uh, we'll get into it here, when Robert Steinbuck from, AB, uh, from the AP discovered his girlfriend had discussed intimate details about their sex life in her online diary. The Capitol Hill staffer didn't just get mad, he got a lawyer. Soon, though, the racy tidbits about the sex lies of the two Senate aides faded from the front pages and the gossip pages. Steinbuck accepted a teaching job in Arkansas, leaving Washington and Jessica Cutler's Washingtonian weblog behind. While sex scandals turn over quickly in this city, lawsuits do not. Steinbuck's case over the embarrassing sexually charged blog appears heading uh, appears headed for an embarrassing sexually charged trial. Lurid testimony about spanking, handcuffs, and prostitution aside, the Washingtonian case could help establish whether people who keep online diaries are obligated to protect the privacy of the people they interact with offline. Hmm. Now you would think that if uh, if you have the freedom of speech and if you uh, aren't lying, I mean, we've got 
plenty of case precedent in America about uh, about um, not okay slander slander and libel. libel. Those are the words I'm looking for. Slander and libel. There's plenty of law about that. So you can't get on your blog, you can't get on the air and say falsehoods about other people. Right. But if it turns out that Mark Edge is really a gay man and I out I out hey, him on the air. Why do I have to be the gay guy? And if it's really true, then it's not slander, it's not libel. So if I find out something that's private about you, Mark, if you share something private with me, and even if you ask me to keep it a secret, there's... There's not actually a contract there, is there? I, no. I, you know, I mean, if you want a secret, a secret, you want a secret kept a secret, keep it to you yourself. You need to keep it as a secret. Right. Because, you know, here's the one unfair thing about telling somebody a secret. You didn't keep it a secret when you told them. It's true. So how come you can hold them to keeping a secret? You can't. It, well, that, that's... You're that, taking a risk. It, you're taking a risk, and it's, you know, it's 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 sort of not fair, like, if I've got some juicy little piece that I've just got to talk to you about, Ian, mm-hmm. and I say, but you can't tell anybody. Well, hell, I wasn't able to keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. How am I expecting you to keep it a secret? That's not fair. Indeed, and in this, uh, informa- in this information age, it's easier than ever to spew information and secrets all around the world Yep, to people who you don't even know. Well, Cutler, Jessica Cutler, a former aide to Senator Mike DeWine from Ohio, says she created her blog in 2004 to keep a few friends up to date on her social life. Like a digital version of the sex-themed banter from a Sex and the City episode, Cutler described the thrill and tribulations of juggling sexual relationships with six men. One of those men was Steinbuck, a counsel to DeWine on the Judiciary Committee. Cutler called him the current favorite and said he resembled George Clooney, liked spanking, and disliked condoms. Quote, well, he's... Who likes those darn things? He's very upfront about sex, she wrote. He likes talking dirty and stuff, and he told me that he likes submissive women. When Anna Marie Cox, then editor of the popular gossip website Wonket.com, discovered and linked to Cutler's blog, the story spun out of control. So Wonket is a big, popular blog, followed mm-hmm. by a lot of people. Right. Until Wonket linked to Cutler, Cutler was a nobody. Cutler right. was just some chick with a blog read by five people. Wonket links over to it, and then it explodes all over the place. Now there's a lawsuit. Cutler was fired. Steinbuck says he was publicly humiliated. Oh, poor baby. Look, if you're going to go and spill your beans to some chick in bed that you don't really know very well, <laughs> heck, even one that you do know very well. I mean, people can go crazy, and you don't know, you never know who they're going to uh, speak to about your preferences. If you don't want somebody to know that you are, uh, if you're into submissive women and you like talking dirty, well, keep it to yourself. And I don't see why you should get so upset about it when somebody decides to write about you in a blog. I think this is an outrageous case. But nonetheless, he's well, going I, to court I, seeking $20 million in damages. I would be upset, but um, I don't think that uh, this guy's right in taking her to court. You know, the case. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, really, all he should have done is just started his own blog and. Written some nasty things about Ms. Cutler. If, case, if he wanted to. The case is embroiled in thorny pretrial issues, with each side demanding personal information from the other. Steinbuck wants to know how much money Cutler received from the man uh, she called her sugar daddy. Cutler demanded Steinbuck's student evaluations from the University of Arkansas Little Rock Law School. 
where he teaches. I'm not sure why they're demanding these things from one another. Steinbuck also recently added that Cox uh, added Cox is a defendant in the case, though he hasn't served her with court papers. A trial date hasn't been set, but his attorney, Matthew Billups, said there are no settlement talks that might head off a trial. Says, quote, I have no idea what he wants. He's never said this is what I think should be done. Neither Steinbuck nor his attorney returned phone call seeking comment in court. An attorney uh, said Steinbuck wants to restore his good name. How's he going to do that? I don't understand. I mean, getting $20 million isn't going to restore his name. It's it just going to give him a cash payment. Right. It won't, make, it won't restore his name, but it'll make him feel better. Because <laughs> before this AP article, I didn't know who Steinbuck was. Now I do. And now I know what his sexual preferences are. And then he's a crybaby. Yeah, d- right. Does it matter? Do I care what his sexual preferences are? No. Does anyone care? I, I mean, really, somebody what's, the, does. what's the worst that would have come out of this? His mom would have stumbled across the blog and found out that he likes submissive, uh, submissive women and to be spanked? I mean, really, how much damage is that going to do to you? Not $20 million worth. Sorry. I mean, we just read a case, uh, we just read a story last night about some people that had their, uh, their father shot down in cold blood by a roid rage cop, and they only got $450,000 for a dead dad. This guy wants $20 million? I'm still thinking about what it would be like if my mom found out what my sexual preferences were. Students in his legal ethics class all search the Internet and learn about the blog, says Rosin. It's not funny and it's damaging, Rosin told a judge. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. To win, Steinbuck will have to prove that the details of their sexual relationship were private and that publishing them was highly offensive. Phillips argues that Cutler never intended to make a blog public, but in the information age... The data is easily copied and distributed beyond its intended audience. Well, that's just... I mean, if you've got a blog and you believe that there are ten people reading it, you should understand that if it's on the Internet and not behind a password, then it's probably going to get out further than you expected. Especially if it's juicy and somebody might link to it somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So if the case goes to trial... I think what's most interesting about this is that she was juggling like six six guys. guys at once and... Oh boy. If the case goes to trial, the outcome will be important to both bloggers and to people who chronicle their lives on social networking sites like MySpace and Facebook. According to the uh, director of the Electronic Privacy Information Center, he said he might teach the Washingtonian case this spring during his class at Georgetown Law School. And uh, there's more on this here coming up because it does sound like this is going to go to trial. And it could could be a, a big change for freedom of speech on blogs if this guy wins. Hmm. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. Should you be able to make allegations about people on your blog? I think so. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is 800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free. So do enjoy those, and get signed up for the updates. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, if you're on the updates list, you'll know first. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on that list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And 
Do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. So give your special child a Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com or 800-657-5066. Where should the line be drawn on what an individual can publish on his or her blog. And similarly, what about, uh, you know, I mean, blogs make it easier for for anybody to publish anything these days, but it also applies, I think, to magazines and uh, newspapers and other other periodicals of that sort. Anything that you can publish... What what if uh, what if you have sex with somebody and you find out their preferences and you decide to tell the world? I, I Is that a bad thing? Should you be prevented from doing so? I I, I can't imagine. I, they, surely they've they've covered this already in in uh, law. I mean, you know, somebody writing about somebody else's personal life um, that they didn't expect to see published and mm-hmm. it does get published. I mean, you'd think that that would be okay. I mean. All blogs do is make it easy for everybody in the world to publish. Right. Well, according to the lawyer, one of the lawyers in the case, quote, anybody who wants to reveal their own private life has a right to do that. It's a different question when you reveal someone else's private life, he said, adding that simply calling something a diary doesn't make it one. Quote, it's not sitting in a nice leather-bound book under a pillow. It's online where a million people can read it. He asked, what if Cutler had secretly videotaped the encounters? And then sold the videos without Steinbuck's consent. There has to be a line somewhere, he said. Do you feel like the videotaping uh, situation changes it at all? Um, I I understand that the videotaping does. Uh, there's there's some legal differences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've sort of convinced me on this uh, videotaping thing that if um, somebody allows themselves to be videotaped, I think that if you're peeking through their window and videotaping them, yeah. um, and you know that that's a different story. If you trespassed onto their property, even though their property doesn't have a no trespassing sign, well, we're talking about we're not talking about a third party. We're talking about two individuals. Mm-hmm. We've got the uh, the female Cutler and the other guy uh, Steinbuck or whatever. So let's say Cutler has him over to her apartment and has a uh, a hidden camera in a teddy bear or something like that up on a bookshelf. Uh huh. And they have sex. He has no idea there's a camera in the room. Is there a problem? When she puts that video online? It's an interesting question. What do you think? 800-259-9231. I think it's her apartment, and it's his risk. I would say that that's a true statement. Right. I mean, it's it's certainly a risk, because whether or not... um, whether I mean, she can videotape it for her own purposes, and she can show it to her friends. Essentially, the internet only allows her to have more "quote unquote" friends. Um, I, what if she sells it? Well, if you're using my image and you're selling it, mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Since being fired, Cutler moved back to New York, wrote a novel based on the scandal, posed nude for Playboy, and started a new website where she solicits donations, quote, for slutty clothes and drugs. She wouldn't discuss the case, but says she's amazed by what's happened. Quote, the fact that anyone was interested in the first place was a surprise. The fact that there was a lawsuit in the first place was a surprise. That it's still going on is a surprise. U.S. uh, District Judge Paul Friedman was surprised, too. Quote, I don't know why we're here in federal court to begin with, said Friedman. Uh, He told both attorneys in April, I don't know why this guy thought it was was smart to file a lawsuit and lay out all of his private, intimate details. 
In that sense, the Washingtonian lawsuit has become a study into when to make a federal case out of something and when to just let it go away. Yeah. It's a question lawyers wrestle with all the time. The former special counsel to President Clinton, who now advises companies during times of crisis, tells clients to decide whether they want justice or to simply set the record straight and get a message across. If you're looking for justice, the court system's the only thing you have. If you're looking to get the full story, good and bad, into one coherent narrative, the court system is perhaps the worst possible forum. <laughs> 800-259-9231. Where do you draw the line? Is it okay to reveal private details about somebody else that they've shared with you in confidence on a blog? And if that's okay, then is it okay to record somebody without their consent? In your on your own property, and use that on your blog. I want to hear from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We go into the phones in the meantime. You can take control of the airwaves. Nick in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Um, hi guys. Hey, hey Nick. Nick. I was wondering. I, I'm not listening live tonight, but I was wondering if you covered the spike we had in the last day or so with first one thousand signups. Well, I, I ha- we hadn't covered it. We but had uh, not touched on it quite yet. I guess there has been a spike in the last twenty four hours and. That's because, Mark, you've been calling a bunch of people. Well, um, I hadn't actually made that many calls um, prior to this afternoon, but uh, because I had been ill, as you recall, uh, about um, I don't know, not too long ago, twenty-four less than twenty-four hours. No, more. Uh, you were pretty sick as a dog. I was yesterday. really sick. Yeah, yesterday and had gone to the hospital the the night before. Um, but uh, yeah, we've had a huge spike, and it could be. Because of the recorded message um, that we sent out, there were two recorded messages. There was one from you that was uh, was on an auto caller, right. like an auto dialer with five thousand numbers, and it messed up. Um, it, it messed up. Maybe twenty seconds of it um, played, and then the rest of it just cut right off. Really? But, but we've seen a huge spike. Well, they also sent out a recorded message from me via email right. to all of their email recipients as mm-hmm. well. So hopefully, all of this plus the phone calls that are being made are really. Um, helping ramp up the signups. Did you have any comments on that, Nick, or you just wanted to point it out? Uh, I wanted to point it out, and um, I th- personally, I thought there might be. It probably doesn't account for the whole spike, but I thought there might be a few people waiting till the very last minute to sign because they knew they were going to sign anyway, and they wanted to fill in the gap. Well, we know for a fact. I've seen posts online and that sort of thing. Uh, we know that there were people that were waiting for specific sign uh, signage points. Mm-hmm. Like some people were waiting for 800, some people were waiting for 900. So there probably were a number that saw it cross those uh, those milestones and decided to jump on board. Nick, anything oh, else I, on your mind? Um, one thing that's not related at all, but I wasn't sure if you guys were aware of because it just came on CNN right before the, sh- the show started. Um, apparently, Saddam Hussein is going to be executed before 10 p.m. tonight. Yep, I actually had that story. Uh, I guess he okay. hasn't been uh, bumped off quite yet, but, yeah, we'll get to the details here in mere moments. Nick, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Yeah, um, I, by the way, I, I would uh, like to mention that uh, it's actually uh, SACL CAI, um, our advertiser, that's uh, – managing to make all these calls possible. Um, the automated calls? Yeah, we would have never been able to get f- through 5,000 numbers in the amount of time I had. I was just looking at it. It was a daunting task. Why did it screw up? Do we know? Um, it was his first use of the system. I see. And, uh, we're the guinea pig. We, we were. And, and by the way, he donated all but, that. Sure. So, you know, I mean, God bless him. That's I, great. And uh, apparently we're going to uh, have one going out now. about, about now. There's um, some calls being made, and it will be the full message. Cool. 
Well, um, since Nick brought it up, Baghdad, uh, the Associated Press, the official witnesses to Saddam Hussein's impending execution gathered Friday in Baghdad's fortified green zone in final preparation for his hanging as state television broadcast footage of his regime's atrocities. With U.S. forces on high alert for a surge in violence, the Iraqi government readied all the necessary documents, including a red card, an execution order introduced during Saddam's dictatorship. As the hour of his death approached, Saddam received two of his half-brothers in his cell on Thursday and was said to have given them his personal belongings and a copy of his will. Najib al-Nuimi, a member of Saddam's legal team in Doha, Qatar, said he too requested a final meeting with the deposed Iraqi leader. His daughter in Anman was crying. She said, take me with you, al-Nuimi said late Friday, but he said their request was rejected. An advisor to Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki said Saddam would be executed before 6 a.m. on Saturday Iraqi time or 10 p.m. Friday Eastern time. So uh, if all goes as planned, by the time Free Talk Live is off the air, Saddam Hussein should be dead. You know, uh, if anybody in the world is to get the death penalty, um, murdering uh, heads of state should. But will that be the end of it? Will Saddam's death trigger... An explosion in violence in the Middle East. 800-259-9231. I'm sure there are some people that won't be very happy with this. More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll free. 800-259-9231. The packet 8. Toll free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free. And you can help us support the, sh- uh, the website voluntarily by buying some stuff at store.freetalklive.com. we got Free Talk Live branded merchandise like Free Talk Live hats and T-shirts. We've got the Free Marketeer flag, classic archive, DVD collector sets on DVD. Uh, I mentioned that. DVD. Uh, all there. Store.freetalklive.com. So Saddam Hussein expected to be executed before the end of this program live. Uh, tonight by 10 p.m. Eastern time, he's expected to be Hanging in the gallows, apparently. According to uh, the AP, an advisor to Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki said Saddam would be executed before 10 p.m. Also to be hanged at that time were Saddam's half-brother, Barzam Ibrahim, and Awad Hamed al-Bandar, the former chief justice of the Revolutionary Court, the advisor said. The time was agreed upon during a meeting Friday between U.S. and Iraqi officials, said the advisor, who declined to be named because he's not authorized to speak to the media. Saddam will be handed over shortly before the execution, the official said. The physical transfer of Saddam from U.S. to Iraqi authorities was believed to be one of the last steps before he was to be hanged. Saddam has been in U.S. custody since he was captured in December of 2003. Now, I don't expect anything crazy to necessarily happen. I I presume all of this is going to occur within the green zone. But wouldn't it be interesting if they were taking Saddam outside of the green zone? And the Iraqis that they handed him over to had been undercover double agents, just kind of waiting for the opportunity to get their hands on Saddam, and they whisk him away off into uh, some secret location, and he's not actually killed. Sure would be exciting. (laughs) Make for a great TV movie. But then imagine the conspiracy theory that surrounds it, that in fact they had intended to hand Saddam over to his uh, um, his the bath party separatist guys and they the, the actually, u.s intended to right him over? and that they well of course would, so they could would a, head of, would a head of state really want to kill another head of state hmm. mm, that sounds looks a uh, it has a terrible precedent to it i mean what if canada invaded and 
executed George Bush. That wouldn't be good for the prime minister. No. Al-Nuimi said U.S. authorities were maintaining physical custody of Saddam to prevent him from being humiliated before his execution. He said the Americans, as though hanging's not humiliating enough, he said the Americans also want to prevent the mutilation of his corpse, as has happened to other deposed Iraqi leaders. Quote, the Americans want him to be hanged respectfully. I don't think those two words go together. I, maybe it's just me. If Saddam is humiliated publicly or his corpse ill-treated, that could cause an uprising and the Americans would be blamed, he said. Munir Haddad, a judge on the appeals court that upheld Saddam's death sentence, said he was ready to attend the hanging and that all the paperwork was in order, including the red card. All the measures had been, uh, have been done. There's no reason for now, what delay. What did you say this red card was all about exactly? It's something that apparently Saddam created, uh-huh. I guess, during his dictatorship. Along with it's the rape in, rooms, right? It's, well, those are alleged. I don't know. Room, did right. they actually find those? No. The, I, mean, I haven't seen a picture of a rape room. I really, really wish someone would uh, show, show me an Iraqi rape room. The red card is apparently an execution order during Saddam's time. So they're giving him the red card now. Essentially. Ah, well, yes. Turnabout there, is fair play. There is your red card. Uh, so there's no reason for delays, they say, as American Iraqi officials and Iraqi officials met in Baghdad to set the hour of his death. Saddam's lawyers asked a U.S. judge for a stay of execution. Saddam's lawyers issued a statement Friday calling on everybody to do everything to stop this unfair execution. Hmm. Everyone do everything. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Well, he might be a little desperate. Things could get interesting. You know, I've got to say, when I've seen those uh, pictures of him in, in court and stuff, he looks good with that beard all trimmed up and yeah, everything. Yeah, he does, in the yeah. suit and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the statement also said the former president had been transferred from U.S. custody, though American and Iraqi officials later denied that. Amaliki said opposing Saddam's execution was an insult to his victims. His office said he made the remarks in a meeting with uh, families of people who died during Saddam's rule. Quote, our respect for human rights requires us to execute him, and there will be no review or delay in carrying out the sentence. Our respect for human rights requires us to (laughs) execute him. This article is full of contradictions. State television ran footage, though I do agree with you, Mark. Um, We here on Free Talk Live tend to be against the death penalty because of what you've outlined many a times, and that is that in uh, many cases it turns out that they're killing innocent people. I think we're, we can be pretty sure that Saddam, not so innocent, no, I, I'm pretty I, bad guy. I'm generally against the uh, the death penalty, but it's somehow I politicians, just can't, yeah, I can't shed a tear over. I them. can't find it in my heart now um, to to be too upset over one dying. Now the, the stuff that has led to him being executed, man, is he worth five hundred billion dollars that we've spent in order to do this? No way, and not to mention the lives lost. How about the three thousand? You are, are we up to three thousand yet? I think we're out there, aren't we? 3,000 U.S. troops? Yeah, I think we are. I think we surpassed 3,000. I, I have to get an updated number. but And not to mention the uh, hundreds, uh, estimated 100,000 or so uh, innocent Iraqis that were killed. I've read 600,000. 600,000, yeah. That's ridiculous. I was being I mean, conservative. It seems, really, it seems really high, but I mean, that's including like basically every death that's occurred in Iraq <laughs> that wasn't entirely natural causes is uh, um, our fault. I just have a feeling that uh, even when Saddam is hanging from the rope uh, or hanging in the gallows, I don't think that a lot of Iraqis are going to be feeling too satisfied. I mean, how would you feel if the Red Chinese invaded America, managed to defeat the American military, because there's not really any American military here anymore. They're all in other countries, so perfect time for an invasion. So maybe they managed to defeat all the National Guardsmen who happened to be here and uh, find President Bush, capture him. And in the, in the process of all of it, the, uh, 
the Chinese were, of course, telling us that they were uh, looking to liberate America from the uh, evil regime of President Bush. And in the process, of course, blowing up major cities, destroying people's lives, killing people's brothers and sisters and uh, Hundreds grandparents. Hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, killing perhaps maybe mil- a few million Americans in the process. It is a bigger country. Right. And then they uh, finally pluck up the uh, the president and they hang him. If you were sitting there watching it happen on television, presuming it was televised... Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican... And your grandma had perished in a bombing raid a few months earlier, would that be a bit of a hollow execution for you? Well... Would you really feel uh, satiated, satisfied? I understand, but the extremes are different in Iraq. For instance, um, what if your grandmother had been, uh, you know, one of these people that uh, Saddam had killed in this uh, Shiite massacre... You know, you'd probably be pretty yeah. happy about it. Um, so, I mean, the, the extremes are different, but that doesn't change the fact that we don't have any place over there. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Dylan in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Dylan. Hello. Um, What's I on your mind? I want to talk about Saddam Hussein. I don't, I don't yeah. understand what it accomplishes to execute him. Well, uh, it's, it's bloodlust. Uh, people feel angry about Saddam Hussein, and they feel like they'll feel better once he's dead. I don't know if they will. I don't know if it'll make any sort of difference in the world. It's just eye for an eye mentality. That's all it is, Dylan. It just um, doesn't seem very constructive. And like, what's it, what's it going to accomplish? Nothing. Well, well, I what has all of this accomplished? I guess you have to go back to the death penalties. Uh, you know, the basics of the death penalty, anyway, which is, um, you know. Obviously, this person killed somebody. That's that's he's been convicted of killing somebody. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, quite a few, a few I can't, people. I can't yeah. remember what is thousand people, hundreds of people. I don't remember exactly what this trial was about. But um, he killed lots of people. And um, if you believe in the death penalty, uh, then you believe that it's right to uh, kill him for killing those people. Uh, I don't know what um, it would accomplish, but you know, I can, I I would think that uh, people who um, had their relatives you know, massacred by this guy, we probably do feel better about um, seeing him hung. It doesn't sound like you're too excited about it, Dylan. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like... Yeah? It doesn't seem like it's going it's to do anything. Maybe you could, like, do community service or something. <laughs> <laughs> you could pick up some trash yeah. or something. <laughs> Take care of babies, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, Saddam could rock, rock the little uh, Iraqi AIDS babies to sleep at night. Thanks for the call, Dylan. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231, the awesome. toll-free number. So, yeah, I see where he's coming from on that. I think there's going to be a number of people here in America that feel the same way. But on the other hand, I think there are going to be a lot of people in America that are going to be cheering this on. I think, in in part, Saddam's being put to death for uh, to satiate the bloodlust and the warmongers here in the United States. Because they're going to be yelling and screaming at their TVs going, yeah, kill Saddam. Yeah, we finally got him. Now, yeah. What, what about this, though? Um, here's here's a possibility. Um, when we pull out of Iraq, which could be very shortly, who knows? Well, it no. could be. It, it, they're talking about downsizing at the very least. They were talking about increasing the troop count last week. They're what are you talking about, about? They're talking about all kinds of stuff. But let's say we pull out in six months. Okay. Um, and the Civil War breaks out. It's already broken out. Okay, yeah, right. The Civil War goes full bore, and Iraq breaks into three um, provinces, Mm -hmm. uh, Kurdistan, uh, Shiitistan, and uh, Sunniistan. And the Sunnis manage to free Saddam Hussein in the process of the revolution, and they put him back in charge of Sunniistan. Could have happened. I'll tell you, 
We wouldn't like that. How awful would it be that we broke into the country, mm-hmm. deposed the leader, yeah. spent billions of dollars doing this, and then he's in charge of a country again? Even so, as you pointed out, even if he does hang from the gallows, it wasn't worth the cost. If you think it was, 800-259-9231, hour two's on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, Friday edition, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you as we launch into hour number two. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. Enjoy freetalklive.com as we start things out this hour by going straight to the phones and to the fun. Steve in New York on the Amplifier line. Hello, Steve. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. What's hey, on your mind? Hey, um, actually, I'm not listening to the show tonight. I'm actually home visiting the, the folks uh, for the holidays, and I don't have a good Internet uh, connection. But uh, we want to talk uh, about um, agriculture and uh, what you guys think. Uh, first of all, let me say I'm not uh, one to condone conspiracy theories and all this other stuff, but uh, I do kind of keep an eye on the um, genetically modified I was wondering on. how I was wondering how agriculture was going to tie in with a conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, what what about sure. the gen, uh, gen gen foods? Well, I, I for one, like I said, try to keep an eye on it, and, and you know, just um, not really all that scared about it. But uh, I do, you know, I am concerned about research and you know, making sure things are uh, represented correctly. You know, what I mean that they are things are safe, and, and uh, when they're brought out to the public and all that. And, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't trust the FDA and all that, but uh, sure. I was wondering, have you ever heard of the uh, the case about that Canadian farmer farmer who uh, was growing canola? No, what are you talking about? Uh, I guess his name—I can't remember his last name—it was Percy Smyzer or something like that. And basically, uh, he's growing canola, and uh, folks down the road from him are growing genetically modified or engineered canola. Is that corn or something? What's what is canola? Canola, can, no, canola is uh, basically a, a plant that they uh, can extract oil from. So okay. when you see canola oil, right? Yeah, I've seen the oil. Right, right. Okay. Right, right. So uh, it's a pretty big crop. Uh, so he was but, growing uh, canola naturally, and down the road, people were growing it genetically modified. Right. Okay. Right. And basically, through you know nature, I mean cross pollination and all this. Uh, well, the corporation that makes uh, a lot of the genetically engineered uh, canola and corn and things like that is Monsanto, and uh, basically they got wind that there were some plants growing on his land that were genetically engineered and through cross pollination. It was by far wasn't. So you're saying the winds the winds blew and that's right. how they ended up on yeah. his farm. Yeah, okay. We're talking about a few plants, I guess. I'm not sure, you know, what the numbers are, but uh, basically, they had taken him to court through um, uh, saying that since there was a patent on the genetically engineered stuff, oh, uh, he had to remove all the plants from his land and all this other stuff, and uh, you know, and he was basically, well, wait a minute, you guys are the ones that are contaminating my crop. And, uh, I don't want to grow your stuff, and you know. Yeah. But, uh, but basically, they—I guess they ended up uh, the 
the Canadian courts ruled in Monsanto's favor. Mm. And, oh, jeez. Uh, so I was just wondering. Now, well, there's different the issues here. Before before you go on, there's different issues here. Yeah. And uh, I, I have no problem with genetically modified foods at all. I eat apples all the time. Uh, they're genetically cross-modified and, and played with, and I think they're very tasty. Me too. I eat, um, you know, the steroid and uh, in, induced meat. And I really, I personally, I like my third arm. Uh, you're being silly, Mark. But, <laughs> no, but nonetheless, I'm not too concerned with the whole genetically modified thing. But I am concerned with the idea that you could patent a plant. And it, and right. it's outrageous what you're saying here is they they patented this plant then planted it outdoors where when the wind blows you you send the pollen over into other people's yards or their farms and then your patented plant grows in their yard and you get to sue them for that I think that's absolutely that, well, that's, absurd. That's my point is that you know, when we're talking about property rights and things of that nature, uh, you know what kind of leg does this uh, the the small farmer have? I mean what. Where where are his rights? You know, I mean, he is trying to grow something that he wants to grow, but yeah, he's getting punished for something that he has no control over. You know, it's yeah. uh, as far as you know the the plant. And in, in in essence, they destroyed his product. Yeah, I would say that's more of a problem with the patent system and a, and a problem with the court system. Yeah, than it is, um, you know. It, you know, an issue of uh, genetically modified plants. Patents are such a, such a bad idea just in general, and we've seen time after time as, as to how they are used by big companies and patent-holding uh, licensing firms, patent, patent firms essentially, that just hold on to uh, patents and they don't allow anybody to, uh, to infringe upon them or utilize them when they're just sitting there holding them. There's all, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that uh, patents allow the big boys to take advantage of the little guy, and it's just a despicable system that needs to go away. And if the patents weren't around, people would still be modifying foods. The modifications would still be happening because the food producers would want to um, increase their crops. They would want to increase their yield. That's the purpose of genetically modifying foods. You genetically modify them to um, make it so they can grow in more, uh, I guess, to grow in less good conditions, I suppose, where there's, you can modify them to be more immune to pests and that sort of thing. You can make them stronger uh, through gen uh, genetic modification. There's no need to patent any of that stuff. Any other thoughts for us, Steve? Uh, yeah, actually, i got one other thing. Uh, I get called, like, I guess a month ago, and you guys are talking about um, uh, setting up a residency in New Hampshire. I'm a, I'm a free uh, state project member, and uh, uh, you're talking about could you set up residency if you had a appeal? Uh, I had a mailing address there, and I'm wondering if uh, you guys came to agreement on that. <laughs> I, think one I don't know. I think Mark. That. I think Mark still believes that you can. I don't. I haven't seen any evidence that you can't. Um, from right. I, I do believe that you can uh, set up residency here from a PO box, um, and I believe you can vote from that PO box because I do. You don't have a PO box. You've got a private mailbox. Okay, whatever. Right. There's a difference. I, I guess there's a difference. I have a private mailbox at uh, you know one of those uh, mailbox stores. Right. And uh, I vote from that thing, and uh, you know use it as my only. I, the only company that even knows where I live is the gas company yeah. because they deliver gas there. There you go, Steve. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate hearing from hey. you, and hope to see you in New Hampshire sooner rather than later. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. Your thoughts on the genetically modified food issue, and also the patents, um, because that's the real problem. There's no reason why we need to patent genetically modified foods. I, I would agree with you on that. I, I think that I think I agree that there's um, that, that patenting plants is a bad idea yes. in general. Um, now, when it you know, but 
I'm not ready to, to toss the whole patent system out the window. I would say that there's a distinct difference between patents and copyrights in that um, if I write uh, my opus, as mm-hmm. it were, I write this great book, and um, you write the same book, but you've but I can't prove that you ever saw my book, then there's nothing. I can't get any damages or anything like that because you didn't steal my book. But if I make something and I get a patent on it, then um, I can and you make the same thing and without I, knowing that you without no without ever having seen it, yours um, you're in violation of my patent. Right. Because there's something wrong with patents. I'm sorry, but if you make a unique work and you do it ten seconds later after I do, yep. then um, I shouldn't have the right to yours. Of course not. And the uh, just like so many government programs, the patent office was originally created with good intentions. The original intention was to protect the little guy, right? To protect the inventor, the hardworking inventor. The you know the inventors aren't full time. Most inventors in America are people who work in a factory by day or work their regular job by day, and then they come home at night and they tinker. You know, they make things, they sure. invent. And uh, so the original intention was, well, we got to protect these guys, so we're going to create the patent office, and that way they can register their uh, inventions and uh, have protection from the government. But like every government uh, government program, the results weren't quite what they expected. The unintended consequences of the patent program, the patent office, have been that instead of protecting inventors, we've actually put them in peril. We've actually harmed inventors because we've turned it over to, uh, we turned patents over to lawyers. And the lawyers know a lot more about the law than inventors do. <laughs> and that's why you see lawyers going out and forming patent firms, patent holding firms, that sort of thing, where they essentially acquire, uh, acquire patents and invent- inventions from inventors and they screw them over using their knowledge of the patent process. We've talked, we've talked in detail about some of these organizations out there that purport to be friends of inventors, but in reality are just out there to rip them off. And the patent law allows them to do it. It's despicable. 800-259-9231. And to suggest that uh, progress would not be made without patents is equally absurd. More's on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Since we were talking about food, let's talk foie gras. Coming up, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and it's the Friday edition. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are totally free, and that does include the wiki. We've got over 900 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki. That's W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Try SACL CAI. They do collections in a whole new way. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect the money, but you want to keep those clients too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. Well, earlier this year, there was some pretty disturbing news coming out of Chicago, Illinois, where the mayor was actually, for once, Mayor Daley, on the side of liberty, for once. Uh, This is the same mayor that wanted to put cameras up all around the city, so in general, he's a pretty bad guy. But he was against the foie gras ban, and that didn't do much. It didn't do him any good because the city council, they were all for it. 
and they went ahead and voted it in, essentially because it's supposedly really bad what they do to the uh, the ducks. It's a the shame geese. what they do to the duckies. The geese, I guess, is mostly what it is. Like duck and geese, I think you can do it either way. But um, the animal rights people were really upset about the fact that they force-feed the uh, the geese um, to fatten up their liver. So then when they're slaughtered, they have this foie gras, this mm-hmm. delicacy, this dish that's bought in fancy restaurants by people with a lot of money. And so they passed a law outlawing foie gras in Chicago, within city limits. If you are a restaurant, you are not supposed to sell this dish anymore. Hmm. Well, we've got an update for you from the Chicago Tribune. When the letter came from City Hall threatening punishment if he continued to serve foie gras at his Northside restaurant, Doug Son framed the warning and set it beside his cash register. And he kept serving the fattened duck liver without a care. We display it proudly, said Son, ho- uh, owner of Hot Doug's, a gourmet sausage eatery where the daily special can include smoked pheasant topped with foie gras chunks. My customers and myself all enjoy foie gras, he says. Almost four months after an ordinance went into effect that forbids serving the rich, uh, rich delicacy, many chefs and restaurateurs are shrugging, if not thumbing their noses, at a law that has led to charges of an overly invasive city council. I would agree. Several restaurants are so brazen they even list foie gras on their online menus. While the city considers other ordinances to force restaurants to eliminate trans fats and disclose the nutritional information about items on its menus... It has barely pursued the foie gras scoff laws. The city has sent warning letters to nine restaurants believed to have served foie gras, but issued no citations as of yet. Hmm. Chicago Department of Public Health spokes bureaucrat Tim Haddock said, letters are sent after a citizen complaint and are followed by a visit after a second complaint. Visits that turn up evidence of the banished dish can result in fines from $250 to $500. But Mayor Richard Daly is no fan of the ban. Just this week, he called it the silliest law that the city council has ever passed. Hmm. Perhaps that helps explain why the health department is in no rush to boost their compliance checks. Quote, in a word, a world of very limited public health resources, we're being asked to drop some things so we can enforce a law like this, said spokesperson bureaucrat Haddock. With HIV, AIDS, cancer, West Nile virus, and some of the other things we deal with, foie gras is our lowest priority. Alderman Joe Moore, the sponsor of the ban, took no exception to the fact that foie gras investigation is among the lower priorities for the public health department or that it is not more active with enforcement. But he was dismayed to know restaurants are flouting the ordinance. Can you believe these people? Yes, they are, they are flouting the law. These people are lawless. How dare they? How dare they look at this law in the face and flip it off, which is <laughs> what they're doing. I'm so glad they are. Thank goodness. I am so glad, too, because I was so concerned. Just don't make me eat any foie gras, thanks. I was so concerned. I've never had it myself. I don't know if it's any I don't know. You know what? We should have some foie gras just to find out what the heck it is. Uh, maybe we should. Where where would you find this? Somewhere. Stuff. Upper crust. I <laughs> Probably not Keene, New Hampshire. I don't know. There's a couple upper crust places around here. Yeah, just a couple. Not French upper crust places. Ah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, I don't know. The uh, what is it? Hot Dogs doesn't sound French. It's a gourmet sausage eatery. Okay. So I'll look around. I, I'm very pleased. We'll go to a remote. I'm very pleased to know that the businesses in Chicago are ignoring this law because I was concerned. I when when we were talking about this, I was concerned that like so many businesses, another law gets passed, and as always, businesses in America tend to just comply, comply, comply. Whatever it is the bureaucrats want them to do, whatever hoops they want them to jump through, 
They'll comply. Doesn't matter what the costs are. No, we'll just raise our prices. Oh, if we go out of business, no big deal. What can we do? It's, <laughs> it's the law. We're good law-abiding citizens. Well, in this case, they're, uh, they're just ignoring it. I think it's fantastic. More about it here. Sone is among a handful of restaurants, uh, restaurateurs, who say they have no plans to remove the delicacy from their menus. Some owners have tiptoed around the ban by serving the dish under alternate or code names. I'll have the special lobster will supposedly score foie gras at one restaurant, mm. but renegades say they'll do what they must to fight City Hall. A part of me says, sure, I'd take it on, says Sone. Another part says, why bother? I spend enough time and energy running the restaurant. As yeah, he, as I understand he, where he's coming from. I know. I, I mean, you, know, you just want to make a living. You don't want to have to fight the government in the process. As he did before the ban, David Richards, owner of Sweets and Savories, has two foie gras dishes on the menu which are two of his most expensive, a Kobe beef burger topped with foie gras pâté and seared foie gras accompanied by pumpkin flan. At first, he said, restaurant owners worried their access to foie gras would be limited as they crafted plots to keep their supply flowing, like getting it mailed to a suburban address for weekly covert pickups. They're like pot people that are getting pot seeds. Right. It's like black market stuff here. It is black market. It's been outlawed, so now they're figuring out ways to subtly get it in. It's amazing. Uh, get it in under the radar and offer it to their customers. Essentially, now, now y- you, we wouldn't I wouldn't have thought it. I wouldn't have imagined that there would be a black market in foie gras. Even just because, because just it's because, so low demand? Just because it's so low demand, but sure enough, the every is single there. time the government prohibits something a black market springs up. Yep, it's amazing, isn't I it? I wonder when the the first foie gras shooting will happen. <laughs> I mean, when will somebody be mowed down in the streets when over they, foie gras? When they go to make their pickup is when it'll happen. That's They'll right. get robbed blind. The G-men will come in and tuck, 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 tuck. They'll be shooting it out of the, uh, the mailbox. <laughs> what the hell? You know, these things happen in the restaurant business. There are so many laws that... Uh, that affect restaurants, for instance, you know, you've got to have the liquor license in order to sell certain types of uh, drinks. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend used to work at a, an Italian place down in Florida, shall not be named for obvious reasons that I'll reveal here in a moment. But it, it basically, they kept a secret stash bottle of, of liquor, and I don't remember what kind it was, but they kept a secret stash bottle behind Italian the... Italian liquor. I don't remember what it was. They kept it behind the counter for... Good customers. Mm-hmm. For customers that, you know, it's one of those kind of upper crust yeah. restaurants where the customer base continues to come in week after week. You've right. got the people with a lot of money, they love to go out to eat, and they come in and you get to know these customers. Well, over time, after you get to know the customers long enough, you sort of give them a little nudge and say, hey, would you like a little of this? You know, whatever the special liquor was. Yeah, sure. So they're serving the liquor illegally, but they're serving it to known customers. They're serving it to trustworthy individuals. And because they're, won't. they didn't have a liquor license, is that the deal? Right. You can't serve it out, out and out. You can't put it on your menu or anything like that. But okay, apparently their customers appreciated that sort of thing. It's one of those quiet things, hush-hush, nobody talks about. One of those under-the-table things that goes on. And it probably goes on all around the country. Much to the chagrin of the lawmakers. More on the way about this foie gras ban coming up. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, the Friday edition. 
It's Ian here with you. And Mark. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the archives and entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the site, for your download and convenience. There's no logging in. There's no membership fee. There's none of that crap that you get from those other radio talk show hosts. We just give it away. Front page, freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1,000 Pledge. Are you just going to talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1,000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. We are very short on time on the First 1,000 Pledge. About as short as, as it's, been, it's darn short. We have less than 48 hours remaining. Yeah. Tomorrow night will be the last night that Free Talk Live promotes the First 1,000 Pledge, because come Monday's show... It's either going to happen, or it's going to it's fail. going to have hap- happened at that point. You think it's you think it's going to make it? Well, um, is that the future perfect tense? Um, I think it's. It looks, come Monday, it will have happened, or not have happened, or not. I yeah. suspect it will. It's um, it's going up, up, up. We have uh, calls, recorded calls going out. We have uh, live calls going out. We have uh, people talking to their friends. It's at nine twenty three right now. Um, it's doable. It. it it's within 70, uh, 76 people. I'm I mean, hoping that this momentum keeps up, and I hope that some people get excited by the, the how close we are and decide to come on board and join the First 1,000 Pledge and be part of the first 1,000 people to move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, as part of the uh, 20,000. You'd be the first 1,000 of, of 20,000 people who will inevitably, inevitably end up moving to New Hampshire to join the uh, Liberty Movement here. To bring back liberty to one state in the United States and so we can have liberty in our lifetime. That's what this is all about. And it's the early movers here have already laid some of the groundwork. When you get here, if you're going to be coming here within the next two years, which is what the first 1,000 is, the people who are going to move here by the end of 2008, mm-hmm. there's already going to, you're just going to have to plug in. I mean, if you want to do politics, there's organizations that will help you do politics. If you want to do civil disobedience, you want to do a mix, it's all there. It's all going to be waiting for you. And, of course, you can get involved, create your own organizations, or, or do whatever uh, excites you. It's going to be, so, uh, it's going to be awesome you know, uh, when we get that 1,000 people here. I was, amazed, I, I was amazed at just how, uh, how much help we got and how many people um, we just sort of had immediately as friends just right when we came. I mean, yeah. um, we... Pretty much walked in and um, to unload the truck, we called and we, we made one te- telephone call and we had five people helping us. Yeah, and it was short notice, too. Really short notice. We could have had probably 20 people helping if we'd actually asked for it in advance. I don't know if we could have handled 20 people yeah. going in and out of that truck. I mean, right. it would have been too busy, but... Um, I. You Still, know, though, that's what happens. I mean, there's a there's a great network of people here who want to help you get here. There's uh, there's job listings online at freestateproject.org. There's people that'll help you know th- that are going to give you the assistance that you need in order to to make picking up your life as easy as it can possibly be. Really, all you have to do is load the truck. Really, there are people who will show up to help you unload it. It's great stuff. Yeah. Right, so head over to freestateproject.org. We're talking about foie gras. The city of Chicago, one more reason to leave Chicago is, uh, and the rest of the country, is they're, they're cracking down on what you can eat. Now in America, the government is deciding what you can and can't put in your mouth. Well, we knew it was going to come to that. I mean, yeah, it's no inevitable. surprise. Right. It's, it's inevitable that this government believes they can control what you put in your body in the form of drugs. So why can't they control what you put in your body in the form of food? That's where it's going now. And in Chicago, thankfully, business owners, restaurateurs have decided to say, 
flip off to the Chicago City Council with their foie gras ban, yep. and they've been uh, either outright ignoring it with one restaurateur put, uh, putting his warning notice mm-hmm. that he got from the city by his cash register <laughs> and leaving foie gras on the menu. In some cases, you've got people that are changing their menu names. They're changing the names of the items, but their longtime customers know what to order. Their longtime customers, for instance, know that if they order the special lobster, they'll get foie gras. In some cases, restaurant owners worried that their access to foie gras would be limited, so they began crafting plots to keep their supply flowing, like getting it mailed to a suburban address, so outside of Chicago uh, city limits, for weekly covert pickups. So going outside the city and then smuggling the foie gras back in. Right. Such cunning turned out not to be necessary, he said. Richard still gets the foie gras from the same distributor he always did, and no one seems to care that it's still on his menu. He says, we look at it as a choice. We live in a free market society. Well, if only, Richard. I I wish that was the case. And if people are truly offended, they won't buy it. If they don't buy it, I won't buy it. Makes sense. He's right. Instead, he said, the foie gras sales have climbed making him even less inclined to heed the law. Right. Can you imagine this, Mark? All this hubbub about the foie gras, all this media attention, makes people wonder, hmm, what's that foie gras stuff? I've I never heard we, of that before. I think we were talking about that uh, last segment. We yeah, were, you we, said we should try it. Well, Same <laughs> thing's going on in Chicago. People are trying foie gras because the city council made a big deal out of it. So it's a goose liver? Goose, uh, st- uh, stuffed goose liver, yes. Ugh. Instead, he said foie gras sales have climbed... In fact, just in case, he's talked with a couple of attorneys who double his loyal customers that told him that they're ready to fight any citation on his behalf. Richard says, quote, One guy told me to just get the ticket and fight the constitutionality, but it has settled into a don't-ask, don't-tell scenario. I see it frequently on menus, and I don't even think about it. Foie gras listed on a handful of other restaurant menus, including high-profile names such as Bin 36, Vion, Butter, Custom House, and XO Chicago. As many restaurants are currently doing, Exo Chicago initially tweaked the wording on its menu to appear as if it was complying, said the executive chef. Instead of serving foie gras, it served, quote, biroche toast points with a a complimentary side of foie gras. When sales of the dish plummeted and they heard of no restaurants being reprimanded for serving foie gras, they returned to dishing out, quote, pan-seared la bella foie gras served with toasted brioche points and a fig apple chutney. Unquote. The sales went back up to pre-ordinance levels of 15 Ooh. to 20 plates on a busy night, Bischoff said. So, actually, that sounds fairly popular. Yeah. XO Chicago is among... I bet it's the fig apple chutney. Uh, among <laughs> nine restaurants for which the health department said it has received complaints, but the restaurant staff members said they haven't been notified. Many of those most vocally opposed to the ban have, been, have coolly stepped away from the debate by ending their foie gras sales or at least coming up with names clever enough to obscure the issue. Available on the menu at Copper Blue, for instance, is It Isn't Foie Gras Anymore, uh, anymore Duck Liver Terrine, a testy nod to the alderman who sponsored the foie gras ban. <laughs> I guess his, his name was Moore. Though the $16 cost seems closer to the price of foie gras than simple duck liver, Copper Blue chef and owner Michael Sonson would not say whether he had merely renamed the illicit dish. So he's keeping mum about it and allowing his customers to decide. Right. In September, while still serving foie gras, he got a warning letter that he said he hung in his kitchen. But Sonson did say that as the interim president of the Chicago Chefs for Choice, a chapter of the Illinois Restaurant Association, it doesn't behoove him to flout the law, even though his organization is trying hard to change it. 
the uh, in November he hosted a fundraiser for Don Gordon Moore's opponent in the 49th Ward, raising more than $2,000. He says, for now, I've got to play nice. I don't serve foie gras. It's duck liver. So, essentially, nobody has changed their behavior except for just a little bit, changing a few words on a menu and uh, telling their customers, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, order the duck liver. But if they're, I understand, but if they, uh, if they don't um, protest now, and, and they are, um, but if they, at least there are um, some of them that are protesting more vociferously mm-hmm. than others, and it's those people that are protesting loudly that will um, prevent this from going into effect, because if they just put duck liver on, then at some point the foie gras task force will come into effect and they will shut down um, you know, these businesses or prevent them from serving foie gras. Let's go to the phones. Your show, you take control. Talk to Cassie in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Cassie. Hi, you guys. Hey. What's on your mind? I um, just wanted to tell you that I just signed the first 1,000 cards. Wait, wait. Is this Casey awesome. or Cassie? Cassie, like K-A-S-S-I-E. Okay. Well, congratulations. What uh, inspired you to do so? Well, uh, you know, it's been, it's definitely been the uh, subject for the last couple months in the house. Um, me and my roommate, Jesse, really wanted to do it, and then we were talking about it. Hang on. We're going to come back to you, Cassie, if you can hang on. 800-259-9231. People signing the first 1,000 pledge. Will it make it? Less than 48 hours remain. It's an exciting time for liberty. I'd say it has better odds than Saddam Hussein. (laughs) 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free. 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features. They're completely free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their site, and we give it away. Though we do ask that you do voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff over uh, over at amazon.freetalklive.com. You know them. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. But don't enter through their normal link. You have to enter through amazon.freetalklive.com. If you do that, then Free Talk Live gets a percentage of anything you buy. They've got 35 categories of products for you to choose from. So get your shopping done. Get the stuff delivered to your door, in many cases with free super saver shipping, great prices, great products, uh, great deals. Amazon.freetalklive.com and a great way to help support Free Talk Live. So we go back to Cassie in Florida. You're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark now. We're quarter, we were kind of rolling out to break as you came in in the last segment, Cassie. You said that you had just signed the first 1,000 pledge. What was it that uh, that brought you to this point? Well, uh, by the way, speaking of Free Talk Live and Amazon.com, I did a lot of my Christmas shopping through that link. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, no problem. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm ready. Uh, I've, um, well, as I mentioned the other night, actually, I'm from Sarasota originally, and right mm-hmm. now I live in Orlando, um, you know, making my way out of Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, New Hampshire is just the next stop for me um, because, well, I've got a wonderful roommate who is willing to go with me, in fact, who introduced me to the idea. That's great. Um, and because I rent is comparable, <laughs> rent is about the same. And if you take out all those taxes, I mean, it's actually a really good financial move for us personally. Now, where where do you think you're going to be moving to, and specifically in New Hampshire, Cassandra? We don't know. We're shopping around for good colleges. Um, ah. I'm a I'm a psychology major, so I want to find a place with a decent psych program. And 
I'm still doing my research, but thus far I haven't found anything particularly impressive. Well, there's um, check out uh, Keene, New Hampshire has Antioch as a graduate uh, university if you're looking for graduate university. And of course, there's Keene. Keen State here, and and there's several colleges nearby. So wait, are you you have your college degree, or are you sort of transferring in mid college, uh, in in midst in, in the midst of your college career? Well, actually, that's the only thing that's keeping me from um, New Hampshire. Really, is that I'm waiting until I get my associates here, then we're going to move up to New Hampshire, and I you know, see. just work around for a year until I get uh, residency, residency for uh, tuition purposes. Gotcha. Cool. Well, there's a, I know there's the University of New Hampshire in addition to Keene State College as well, and uh, mm-hmm. University of New Hampshire is a bigger college, mm-hmm. um, so I'm sure right, that right. hopefully you'll find something that that works for you. Of course, then there's Dartmouth, which is kind of the you know the Ivy League upper crust style. Yeah, Dartmouth is a little bit out of my uh, pocket. Yeah. <laughs> now, Cassandra, did you listen to the show when we were uh, specifically in Sarasota? Uh, no, actually, I just started listening a few months ago. Interesting. Uh, I see. So a friend of yours turned uh, turned you on to the program. Yes, it is. Very cool. Well, uh, we look forward to seeing you in New Hampshire, and congratulations on signing the first 1,000 pledge. We appreciate hearing from you tonight, uh, Cassie. Oh, Thanks. Oh, by the way, oh, yeah. you guys, um, when I signed, it said that I uh, that there were 922 signers. Awesome. We're getting up there, and I think this could happen if you take the time to uh, to sign the first 1,000 pledge. Thank you, it's Cassie. Possible. We I appreciate it. Make some phone calls. You're welcome. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The final hours, uh, the last forty eight hours here or so before the end of the. Remember, the we're saying less than forty eight hours because it ends in Greenwich time. It does. It ends in Greenwich time. So which that's is, five hours ahead, as I understand it. Uh, five hours ahead of Eastern time. So right. uh, you know, nine hours ahead of uh, Pacific time. Yeah. So um, it's important that uh, you know if, if you're going to wait until the very end. Don't wait until midnight, um, wherever you happen it'll be to too be. Late, yeah. yeah, it'll be too late, and it'll be over. So I would encourage you, don't hold out. You'll just be in the last 75, because um, it's 923 now. There's 76 more people needed. Let's go to the phones. Also in Florida, it's Paula. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Yeah, hi, hon. I wanted to get some information out to the people of this country that, um, like Alex says, that we've got to get up and fight to get our country back. And my cousin Jim Kilmore is running for president. Cool. And, wow. And um, we're the family that started the Civil War the first time. Well, and, hmm. what'd you do that for? <laughs> for our rights, our state's rights. But anyway. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Did the South start the Civil War? I don't. Yeah, think my the, family did. Yeah. I thought the North started the Civil no, War. I did. thought they fired on Fort Sumter. No. Okay. Guess the Gilmores together. They did this together. Okay. And but anyway, uh, the thing they is, related to the uh, Hatfields and the McCoys. Huh? Yeah, my husband is. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> she does anyway, this. She uh, does this ancestry stuff. You, you don't, she's serious about yep. it. That's true. <laughs> but there's information that I want to give y'all that I don't know if everybody knows about this. And okay. It's very important. What's going on? Back in 1933, March 8th, our Republican federal government was dissolved, hmm. and Franklin Roosevelt did this. And mm-hmm. now we're at what, what we call democracy. This is uh, what you call a socialist communist order. Okay, I, I would agree. We're definitely got, we had definitely have some socialist programs yeah, out well, there in America. Yeah, we've got to get back our Republican federal government again. So how is it if you believe that the Republican government was abolished? How is it that your your cousin believes he has any chance at winning the election? He's, he's working with some good people up there. That um, he's got a lot of people behind him. Wait, is he a Republican or a Democrat well, or what? Right now, but he's thinking about switching to another party. What what party? Well, there's two that's available, the Independent Party and the Constitutional Party. Uh, yeah, I can tell you, he's going to lose. 
well, anyway, the thing is, he's running, and the thing is, he's got the budget things to do this. And I mean, our family would expect him to do this. He's got what to do it? The budget, you said? Huh? How much money does this guy have? He's an attorney right now. So he's doing he's, pretty he's, well. He's got a lot of good connections, okay? Okay. But the thing is, he's a good man, and he cares about this country, and he doesn't like what's happening either. What and, are his uh, uh, What are his campaign planks going to be? What is uh, What's he going to run on? What do you mean? Well, he's running to get our country back. He said we're in the process now of taking it back. But what about people who say, well, it's still here. I mean, I have the country hasn't been taken from me. I can still walk around in it. I mean, how is that going to be well, persuasive? The thing is, we're under a new government now. At least they think they have this new government. But anyway, the North American Union, mm-hmm. and this was totally illegal. It was done without anybody's permission, done in private, done in secret. And is, I mean, this. If it, I see where you're coming from, and we've heard this conspiracy on the air before. Uh, other people have mentioned it. You've heard, I'm, I'm sure you recall, Mark. They claim that the whole country well, was dissolved, and they Martin. built up this corporate USA and re, to replace it, and I have, et cetera, et cetera. And so again, Paula, here's my only concern for you. If it's true what you say, and that is that the USA was dissolved and replaced by a corporate entity that isn't run by the same rules, how is it that this guy believes he can win? I mean, if if it's all in the pocket because, of the conspirators... we have the power in the people to take it back. But wait a minute, Paula... The people won't have power if the conspiracy people have – if the uh, the black cloak people have actually taken control of the voting boxes, like going, the electronic already, voting, right? We have already insisted that from now on there's going to be nothing but paper ballots. Well, I don't think that the State Department of Elections gives a flip about that, Paula. Yes, they do. I've already, I've already, you know, contacted them about this, <laughs> and a lot of people have. I'm not kidding. I mean, people all over the country have done this. And I mean, yeah, and you think do... they're going to change it just because you gave them a phone call? We, we, the people, have the power to get this done. If they want it done bad enough, we can get it done. Yeah, I don't and know. The thing is, we've got to get a lot of people out of control. I, I you know, I wish him luck, but yeah. um, it's it's so hard when you're not part of the Democrats or the Republicans to, to get well, into he's office. he's Republican, but I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, he, he wants to take our country back. The people want their country back, and we, the people, have the right to do it. matter of fact, our representatives are not even legal up there. Did you know that? So when this was dissolved, they're, they're, we're working illegally. But anyway, well, the whole uh, thing is supposed to be illegal, right? You're saying the country was dissolved and replaced by some sort of a corporation. Isn't that the allegation? North, it's not allegation, honey. I've got the actual pictures of them doing it. <laughs> my own cousin was part of Both my cousins were part of it. Your family is Man, certainly well-connected, Paula. They really are. Paula, Paul thanks Mark for the call. We appreciate hearing from you, as always. Good luck too, with your campaign. 800 Are you still there? Thanks I'm, for the call, I'm, Paula. 800-259-9231. <laughs> She's this, this, got I, our best interests at heart. I know. She thinks she's making a difference. She thinks that she can pick up the phone and abolish uh, electronic voting. It shows just how powerful Free Talk Live is. What, what do you mean? Well, she she can call us and, and get everything changed. Yeah, I, I think that she's uh, living in a bit of a fantasy world. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit. Because I don't think that uh, the Department of Elections is going to care whether Paula and her cousin Jim call in and their buddies from the church... Call in and complain about the electronic voting thing. I mean, there have been uh, national stories on how the electronic voting machines can be hacked and all of that, and they've mm-hmm. got backdoors programmed into them, and uh, they're easily manipulable and all of that. And the the people that are running the companies that make the machines are major con- uh, campaign contributors to the Republicans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, there have and, been there have been vic- in Paula's defense, there have been victories on that front um, for. 
the the electronic voting machines. Now there's a you know you can get a paper receipt in some Not communities. From all of them. In some communities. Okay, fine. But th- th- that's what you have to do, and that's what she's saying we should do is from a grassroots level. But what level, good does that do anyway? I mean, the paper receipt thing. What good's that do? It you makes you feel it. a little better. That's all it does. You can't go in and uh, trade up your receipt and prove that your vote was actually registered. So what are you arguing for? Not voting? I don't know. I'm just pointing out that she's full of it. That's all. Hour number three is on the way. You take control of the airwaves. Ian's full of it. Eye scans for kids. We'll tell you about it on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, the Friday night edition, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8 toll-free line for you to take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. That again, freetalklive.com. Starting things out uh, here this hour in Galveston, Texas. According to the Houston Chronicle, technology developed to keep track of prisoners by scanning their irises became available Thursday to identify missing children or elderly people with Alzheimer's disease in Galveston County. And this could be coming to a city or county near you. The Galveston County Sheriff's Department is the first sheriff's department in Texas and the 47th nationwide to join the Children's Identification Database, or Child Project. Now, don't you love it when they uh, come up with their acronyms? I, the, the acronyms are so great. Well, you think they have to... They, you, normally, you, when you look at one of the government acronyms, you think they really spent a lot of time on this. You wonder <laughs> what uh, sort of a government task force they set out uh, to, uh, to... They formed so they could co- come up with this, this acronym. And normally, it seems like they, they spent some time on them. But this one, I think they cut a few corners. Uh, remember, the acronym is the CHILD Project... But the words are children's identification database. So C, uh, you could get the CH out of children, because C, you know, CH for children. Mm-hmm. Then there's the I for identification and the D for database. But there's no L anywhere in there. <laughs> well, there's an L in children, but that comes before the. I don't know. I guess you could just take the entire first five letters of children. And then forget about identification database, but it seems like more of a truncation than an acronym at that point. Yeah, it, I, I'm thinking you're right. Well, the addition of Galveston County is part of an effort to image the irises of five million children into a nationwide database over the next few years, says Robert Melly, vice president and CEO of Biometric Intelligence and Identification. We want to image five million children's eyes into a national database. This is supposedly to keep them safe. Now, I thought that uh, iris scans or these uh, retina scans were dangerous. Is this different? That's what I thought. I mean, that you've told me that, Mark. I don't know where you got that information. I don't know if it really is or not. I've never seen anything about it. it. Where it did you hear that? I, I, on the internets, of course. Um, I couldn't tell you. Like, I can't quote a source or anything like that. I read it some time ago. You know, it, it would probably be a lot safer for the children if you just tattooed numbers on their arms. Hmm. Well, then you could just chop off their arm if you... Uh, I suppose you could pluck their eye out, too. 
Anyway, uh, we have 1,800 sheriff's departments representing 46 states who have committed to participating. So far, the Child Project is in 26 states after more than 18 months, said Biometric President Sean Mullen. Children with an iris scan in the national database cannot be identified unless they're in a county that has the Child Project equipment, he said. The system can scan an eye and match an iris in three to five seconds after comparing it with stored images in a national database. Mullen and Galveston County Sheriff Gon Leonard, gone like G G E A N, John, Gene. How do you pronounce that one? I don't know. G E A N. You're looking at it. Gene Leonard. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say appeared together at a news conference at the Galveston County Justice Center to explain how the technology will assist in identifying missing children. We hope others will follow our lead in Texas. Leonard said, announcing the department's participation. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children estimates that on average, more than 2,000 children are reported missing every day across the country. Leonard says he hopes eventually to scan the irises of all 71,000 in the county. Hmm. He hoped that groups such as parent-teacher organizations, churches. And senior care centers would invite his officers to events where scans can be made. To be scanned, a child sits in front of the portable, uh, portable scanner. A portable system is in a black plastic box about the size of a briefcase. When opened, a spherical lens camera sits on top of the lid, and a second camera with a wide horizontal lens pops up to eye level. The box is connected to a laptop where name, phone number, and address are entered. A voice from the machine directs the child to move his or her head forward, back, or to the side as needed. And the box, uh, let's see, a lower camera senses when the head is in the proper position and automatically takes four photos of the iris, while the upper camera takes one of the face. Missing child who is found sits in front of the camera, which scans the iris and flashes the face shot, and contact information on screen in seconds is matched to the database. Mullen says an iris has 235 identifying characteristics. I'd say this isn't, isn't a retina scan. This is something a little different. It's an iris scan. Yes. Is what it is. It's a picture. Flecks and spots that are unchanging after the age of one. Kevin O'Reilly, spokesman for Mullins Company, says there was one chance in about two million, or two hundred million rather, of an incorrect match. Biometric chose Galveston County after interviewing officials in several other Texas sheriff departments because of Leonard's enthusiasm in the county's demographics. As a tourist center, the county's a destination for runaways and has a large population of senior citizens. Hmm. And uh, currently 25, and they go into the cost of the machines, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, how do you feel about this? Do you think that it's, it's an okay idea? I mean, on its face, it seems like it's okay. You want to protect kids. You want to... You want to help them if they get uh, they run away or get abducted by somebody. You want to help identify them, that sort of thing. Now, is it really going to be that useful for are that? They, are they going to be able to force people to do this? I mean, are they doing no, it? No, they're not going to force them to. They're, they're just, just going to encourage them. Encourage them, sure. I see, well, I wouldn't um, personally. I wouldn't uh, go out and get my kid extra registered with the government for any reason at all. Um, I can see why someone would, would uh, get a social security number for their kid because mm-hmm. it's just so difficult to operate without, without them. Um, you can't write them off on your taxes if they don't have a social number. Um, but to go out and get an iris scan and get them thumb printed and get DNA tested and all that other good stuff, mm-hmm. I don't see any reason for it. At what age do most kids get abducted? I, I don't know. I mean, are you talking about uh, most kids get abducted by their parents? Right. I understand that. But, I mean... Considering there's some crazy person out there who wants to abduct your child, at what age do you think that would uh, be most likely to happen? Under the age of four, or I would think that um, I would think that abductions would occur between the ages of uh, 
5 and 12. I would think so, too. I think it'd be more like, for as far as the pervs out there, the sickos that want to abduct somebody and tie them up in their dungeon or something like that, you'd want to have, I think, an older child. Well, I would uh, think the abduct. reasons for, for the numbers that I gave was because, um, you know, kids under 5 are, are pretty much in their parents' care a uh, great deal. At all times. You don't expect them to walk home from school or something You don't leave them like alone that. in the playground. Right. Um, so, and the reason I picked under 12 is because uh, puberty starts hitting and they get damn hard to abduct when they get uh, adult sized. Right. It would seem to be. Uh, it would seem to me that at a certain age, you can teach your kids what their name is, and where they live. Maybe not the exact address, but you could certainly teach them mommy and daddy's name, and that sort of thing. I don't know if I feel too comfortable. Man, I can giving tell this you information to the cops. I don't know what age I was taught my um, home address. But I can still rattle off my home address from when I was a little boy because I was taught that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. This is where you tell them you live. Right. And I can still tell you it was Route 218 K5J. So it worked. And I just don't know if that... shows I'm, how far in the boonies we live. I mean, if you ran away and... Uh, if it's a runaway situation, then you would have to force the kid to scan his iris, right? Like if you'd scanned his iris when he was five and he ran away at ten and he didn't want to be identified because he ran away, then you'd somehow have to force him to scan his iris, which would be difficult because you can't force kids' eyes open, right? Um, This really seems strange. It really seems more like a database program than anything else. It really seems like the government wants to get your kid in its files. That way, for instance, Lauren Canario, who was recently arrested in New London, Mm -hmm. um, thankfully she's now free, but she's a non-cooperative, so she was arrested. They wanted to know who she was. She wouldn't tell them. Now, they knew who she was because they'd arrested her the year before. But nonetheless, if you get picked up and you don't tell the police who you are and you don't have identification on you, it makes it a little more difficult for them. They don't like it when you don't play by their rules. Right, but if all they have to do is scan your iris to find out who you are... They've got that info. Yeah, that's that's what I'm a little concerned with. I'll oh, tell you what, what those government there people There are people walking that. around right now in America that don't have criminal records because they gave a fake name to the police and managed to slide by. It's true. So I, I don't feel good about this, but if you do, if you think the child project where they're looking to scan in every child in America, if they can, looking to scan your children's irises... If that feels good to you, 1-800-259-9231. Or if you can think of a better reason to be against it, I want to hear from you as well. 800-259-9231. Because I'm against it just based on the idea, just based on the principle of I don't want government agents knowing about my kids, and I don't want them knowing about me, and it just gives me an icky feeling inside. Not to mention this whole national database of irises. That's kind of scary, too. Big Brother? More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you for all your voiceover IP needs, packet8.net. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners there with dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove that they li- that they are listeners uh, and that they... That is them indeed in the picture. You can see what I mean over at shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Is there a young person that's important to you? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. 
The average college student graduates with 7000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them a kid's journey to getting rich at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066, akidsjourney.com. As we go to the phones to the fun, let's talk to Stephen in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Stephen. Hello, guys. Hey, what's hey, on man. your mind? You know, when I hear stories like that last one, I sometimes wish that I could be as optimistic as Paula is. <laughs> Wait, but, you mean the story about the kids uh, scanning their yeah. irises? Yeah, but I'm not, and that's why I have to call in about the first 1,000 and how it's going right now. Okay. And we're very close. Mm-hmm. We're very, very close right now. That's right. The uh, first 1,000 pledge, the first 1,000 people to move to New Hampshire as part of the fr- uh, the Free State Project. It's part of the pro-liberty movement here. Um, what? Why are you uh, so pessimistic? Well, right now I want to say the projection is still showing that we're not going to make it. And I really have to wonder why that is. It's only 99 people. And I'm really – if there are not 99 people out there – 76. Really, well, it's all together 99. Okay. So we have 76 left. Okay. You know, we really probably should get more than 1,000 signatures just in case right. they go in there for a last-minute audit because there were uh, – last week, last week there was a, a controversy over some fake signatures that had been added to the pledge – for all we know, it's going to be you know a hundred or a thousand twelve names. It's going to look like it's good, and then they might go in and audit it an hour beforehand, and then it'll drop down to nine hundred and ninety-eight or something like that. That wouldn't be good. Yeah, we should be a, a lot closer right now. Which, well, one thing I'd like to say is some people I've noticed are signing up um, together, mm-hmm. which I would I would opt against. People really shouldn't be doing that. That's for true. Reason. Right. Each individual counts. It's not a collectivist movement. So uh, if, you, if right. you're a couple, you should sign up uh, individually. And I would even say that people, if they have, like, older children that they know would um, want to be involved in something like this and they know we'll be moving with them, they should sign, get them to sign in and everything if they have 16- or 17-year-old um, children. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, I presume you've already signed then, Stephen. Yes, I'm, I've, I've been a member of the First 1000 for a few months now. Okay, and you're in Massachusetts, uh, so you don't have too far to go. When are you planning on no. uh, coming up? Um, hopefully, if everything goes right, by the end of 2007. What, uh, what part of uh, New Hampshire are you targeting? you have anything in mind? I'm thinking the southeastern area. Ah, very good, very good. Well, we look forward to seeing you. Did you have anything else tonight, sir? I'm just wondering, is what holding is what's holding people back this sort of tank rolling in fear? <laughs> I don't paranoia? know. I don't know. Uh, we haven't really heard from somebody who has actually come out and said, you know, I'm not signing the first 1,000 pledge for blah, blah, blah reason. We don't really know why people don't sign. We just hear from the ones that do sign. So it's an excellent question. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's all kinds of objections. Haven't seen any I tanks mean, yet. If anyone's out there is really – if that's the reason they're not signing, I would like them to, to call in and, and sort of make an argument for how they can be so cowardly. Excellent that question. The and only excellent. reason they wouldn't move is because something might happen to them. Yeah, it really is something, cowardice. Something might happen to them no matter where they live. Sure. That's really not a reason. In fact, if they are even somewhat of an activist where they currently live – if they're targeted where they where they live, it's more likely that they won't have anyone come to their aid. Whereas if they actually get targeted here in New Hampshire, there's going to be an entire network of activists uh, that will show up to, to help out. So it makes more sense if you're going to be a liberty activist 
to come to New Hampshire. If you're just going to sit around and complain, then you can stay where you are. Stephen, thanks for the call. I completely agree with that. We appreciate it, man. Thanks. 800-259-9231 as we go to Damon in Detroit. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how are you guys doing? Great, Damon. What's on your mind? I was talking about, I was sitting here watching TV this evening, and they were talking about Saddam Hussein and, you know, with his execution going on and everything. And Mm -hmm. it, it just bewilders me that the news, that the media can talk about this, about him being executed by the Shiite government or whatever, like it's not really America doing it. Mm. It, it's an American. Uh, if we, if America was not there, Saddam wouldn't be executed. The people that are in power are only in power because the United States government is there. That's an excellent point. Have, yep. Because if I mean, if Saddam, if the people in Iraq didn't want Saddam, if they wanted to get rid of Saddam, they could have risen up against him a long time ago. A but, long time ago, and it's and it just it's just it's just it just it, I just really don't understand how people can see this. And see it as anything other than a big farce. I mean, it's not, it's just, and, it, and to me, it really makes me feel less safe here in America with this going on. Well, if that's what they're saying on the news, then it's just, typi- it's just typical of the news to just parrot whatever it is the government press releases say. They don't question anything on uh, television news today. If, if the news is saying, well, this is the Iraqi government putting uh, Saddam to death, it's just because they're parrots for the U.S. government. I know, <laughs> I know. You know, it, but, I, somebody made the point that Iraq was is, is and was one of the well most well-armed countries on the face of the earth as far as individual ownership of guns i mean okay. ak-47s are all over the place in iraq people in their uh, in their family lives have guns they possess guns they carry guns they have them in their homes there were plenty of guns and bullets around while saddam hussein was sitting in office and anybody who wanted to do an uprising against him certainly could have so it must have not have been too bad for him. Otherwise, they would have rose up against him. I know. And here in Detroit, I have, you know, Detroit has a very large Arab population. And, and I have a business, and we do business, my partner and I, with a lot of Arabs. Mm-hmm. They bring in pictures from Yemen, and they're from all over. They, I mean, they're little kids with AK-47s. Mm-hmm. Everyone has guns over there. Everyone has guns. It's not like, and they're not hitting or anything. So you have to ask yourself, why didn't they rise up against Saddam? Was was he as bad as they say he was? I know he wasn't. He couldn't have been. You know, and I don't think, even if he was terrible, even if he was awful, I still don't think you can bring freedom to people. I don't think you can liberate a people. Certainly I not. Think, I think the only thing you can do is, um, is, is root for them. That's it. That's it. And if we stayed, if we stayed out of their business, they would leave us alone. Mm-hmm. I've told people that time and time again, and they want to argue with me because they hate our way of life and all oh, stuff. Gosh. That's right. If we, if we left them alone, they would leave us alone. It's yep. that simple. They don't hate. It's, that is such a uh, cliche at this point that they hate the American way of life. They hate us Westerners for being from the West, which is absurd because if you go over there and you look at the things that they enjoy in life, I mean, there's people over there drinking Pepsi. There's people over there on laptop computers and enjoying all kinds of Western accoutrements that we enjoy here and many American products. And as it turns out, when you interview people from other countries, they don't hate America. They hate the American government. They don't hate American people or products or culture. They love Hollywood movies and things like that. They hate the government and the wars and death that it brings around uh, around the world. Damon, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Coming up. Jitney cabs. What are they? Well, we'll tell you about them. They exist in New York City and other places around the country where uh, competition has been outlawed. Hmm. We'll explain. It's Free Talk Live. 
Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Of course, all of the features on our website are totally free, including the bulletin board system, over 160,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting, so much to read, so much to interact with. So many topics, serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all discussed at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. And like everything else on our site, it is totally free. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the first 1,000 pledge. I figure at this point we should just plug the first 1,000 pledge. We've we'll plugged it all show. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, instead of our uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum, we'll get back to that on Monday. Yeah. But it is the final uh, the final hours the final 2 days less than 2 days actually of the first 1000 pledge if you're serious about freedom you need to head over to freestateproject.org and learn all about the first 1000 pledge and get on board if you've been holding out if you've been waiting for the the remaining moments if you wanted to be one of the last 100 signers now's your time because we're in within the last 75 at this point right or 78 or so it's somewhere in that number uh, freestateproject.org slash first1000 for more information. That's freestateproject.org. Two, the Libertarian Party of New York City. New York City would harass Santa if he carried passengers for hire in his sleigh, says Libertarian Party of New York Chairman Richard Cooper, Queens commuter and the 2006 Libertarian gubernat- uh, gubernatorial candidate John Clifton has challenged the city authorities. Oh, municipal pharaoh, just let thy commuters go, says Clifton. To reduce congestion, especially bad as Christmas approaches, the libertarians urge that the city rely on free markets and transportation by abolition of the taxicab medallion system. I would concur. And legalization of the so-called gypsy cabs and dollar vans. These commuter vans, known as also known as jitneys, play regular routes competing with each other and the city-owned buses. John. Yeah. Now, my my classic understanding of what a jitney cab is is more like a um, a bus than a cab. Okay. Um, like they take several people and they do sort of stops along the way, that kind of thing. Or um, are you thinking that this? I is don't know. An- if they were a bus, it would probably be way too easily targeted by the authorities. I, see. I think you could get away with a minivan. So you think or something? This might be more like a uh, limousine service without the taxi cab medallion. There's no. I don't think that it's likely that there's a limo out there. I I think that I it's no, just no, no, people's no, no, cars. No, no, no. I don't mean a limousine in the stretch sense. I mean there's limousine services that just you know drive a you know, town cars and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I would think that there would be two things um, that would would define a jitney cab in this case, and it would probably be a one or the other sort of situation. Okay. Um, either it would be a bus that or a bus or minivan or something that carries several people and drops them all off, um, you know, along the way, or it's a um, a limousine like a limousine service, which is just a cab mm-hmm. or a car that somebody uh, um, you know hires to come yeah. get them. Uh, a, I think you're right. A limousine means it has a driver. Yeah, uh, in some cases. All it is, Mark, is. Uh, Black market versions of the legitimate businesses, of the ones that have the government license. So, yes, you'll find all of the above. You'll find people who are just picking up one client and people who are picking up five clients on the way to work or whatever it is that that works for them. 
And the reason why is because the rates are so apparently so high on the, the, the cabs, the licensed cabs. Of course, one of the reasons the rates are so high is because the medallion prices are absurd. And they don't quote the cost here in this article, but as I recall from uh, Mary Ruart's book, Healing Our World, I believe she quotes the price at $100,000 for a medallion. That's extreme. It is extreme. And if you're just an individual who wants to go into business for your, uh, for oneself to go and pick up people who want to voluntarily hire you to pick them up, why should you have to bow down to the city authorities and pay them that tribute? That's outrageous, $100,000, even if it was $1,000. Still, that's out of the range of a lot of people who might have a car that might work, but they couldn't possibly afford that extra cash on top to uh, to start their business, so they start a jitney cab service. Well, John Clifton, uh, who is, the again, the gubernatorial candidate there in New York, is a social worker in Queens who champions free markets and transportation and puts his money where his mouth is. He rides the dollar vans and uses gypsy cabs. Like many other minority inner-city residents, ill-served by the regulated and tax-supported welfare state Did you say gypsy system. cab now? They're, yes, they're jitneys, gypsy, they're called jitneys, gypsies, and dollar vans. Okay. So like many other minority inner-city residents ill-served by the regulated and tax-supported welfare state transit system, Clifton declares, quote, The city calls it stealing when it loses passengers to the vans. Does Burger King steal revenue when it competes with McDonald's? Busy outer borough commuters want better service than that provided by the Municipal Transportation Association, MTA. I believe that's what that stands for. Cooper adds, quote, urban, rural, or suburban, the best solutions and hope for Americans can be found with libertarians. We stand for, uh, stand for individual liberty, free markets, and personal responsibility in order to promote a society that enjoys more justice, abundance, and peace. And, you know, best of luck to the New York libertarians. <laughs> they are fighting a losing battle. Yeah, uh, that's I, a big, giant government bureaucracy there, yeah. and um, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be fighting them. Um, I can understand that, you know, if you've got a job in New York City and it pays you a hundred plus thousand dollars a year, and you don't want to leave, um, and you like the urban life, I can see that. But um, to try to bring libertarianism, liberty, to New York City, losing battle, it really is. Let's go to Surge in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Surge. Well, good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey man. What's on your mind? Well. I'd like to talk about the gypsy cab issue, but let me clarify this for a minute. It's kind of funny to me listening to out-of-towners talking about <laughs> issues like this. But a jitney is a term that's not really used in New York. Okay. What we use is, again, we use dollar vans, which is like more Ford Econoline vans that are around the airports, JFK and LaGuardia mostly. Mm-hmm. And gypsy cabs is usually a... Lincoln Town Car or Ford Crown Victoria or a Chevy Caprice that's usually black mm-hmm. that you can hail down on the street instead of a regular cab. And they're Look, large- I'm not hailing down anybody in a blacked-out um, <laughs> uh, Chevy Capri, okay? <laughs> I don't want to get gunned down in a blaze so of wait, glory. So wait, you just you just try hailing a, a black cab and you just sort of hope that you happen to find a, jit- a, a gypsy cab? Yes, essentially, because you can tell. They have the usual mirror on the back. It basically looks like a, a as a yellow taxi cab would look, but it's not yellow. It could be any color, not 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 just black. It could be white or beige or whatever. What What's sort this, of what what is this mirror you're referring to? What is this always, mirror you speak every of? Every taxi cab there is a light in the back. It's a panic light that if you, if the driver has trouble or is being robbed, they push a button and that light blinks on the back. Gotcha. So you can tell every livery vehicle has it, even gypsies. Gotcha. So 
what's the enforcement scheme like on this? Because you know the the uh, the governor the government doesn't like these guys being around. How are they tar- are they targeting uh, black crown vicks? I mean, are they going after these guys or what is it? Are, are they is there an active campaign against them? I guess is what I'm asking. There is active public service campaign against them, but when it comes, they put it all out on the news. They put it out on the city website. They they put it out on the um on billboards and the subway, but it's really, there's no real enforcement to it, but it's known. For New Yorkers know it. I see. So the, the city's running a propaganda campaign saying, don't use the gypsy cabs. And they t- say it, it's dangerous, it's dirty, it, it's, it's not. These people who are driving them are hardworking people who are trying to make a dollar. Right. Because they can't afford the outrageous regulations. It, was I right? Do you know about the uh, medallion cost, $100,000? Yes, you are absolutely right. That's and per it's car, right? Impossible for an individual to become a, an individual cab driver, you have to be part of a taxi company. Sure, because the taxi companies pretty much own the right to get these medallions when they're uh, first you know, brought forth if they decide, we need a few more cabs on the street. Does sure. the medallion apply on a per-car basis? Is that $100,000 per car? I'm really not sure of that, but I think it's probably... There's not many cab companies in Manhattan, so right. I think it's a certain cab companies that are... Friends with the politicians get the medallion. Sure, it is. You know, and protection. This, this hundred grand uh, a year that uh, goes for these medallions. Is it a year? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just assumed it was. Uh, I, for, I, mean, I figured for a hundred grand, you get a lifetime medallion. I think there's a certain number of medallions out there. I've never seen the government do a lifetime anything. They, I don't know. Uh, sir, they like you, their their annual payments. If you know, hang on. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Maybe we should uh, dig around. Maybe we can find out about it here during the break. Wikipedia or something like that. 800-259-9231. If you know more about the New York Jitney Gypsy Cab dollar van situation, love to hear from you. This is your show. You take control. Even in these remaining moments, it is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain of this Friday edition of the show. Just enough time for your call if you make it right now at 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. Do enjoy them. They're on us. Uh, and if you like the show and you like the website and you want to help support us, then become a Free Talk Live amplifier like over 300 of our listeners have done. And it's all of three bucks a month. That's all we're asking for. It's a totally voluntary option. And it, it helps us out because what we're doing is we're advertising, marketing, and promoting. Hence the name AMP. Free Talk Live. We're getting the show on more radio stations, getting more internet listeners on board, and it's working. It's effective. $3 a month, we take it in, we turn it around into getting this show in front of more ears. And that means more new people hearing the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's valuable to you and you want to get some perks, like access to the amplifier-only call-in lines and more, head over to amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Do we still have Surge in New York? Surge, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Surge? I guess he's gone. Um, all right, so I did a little digging during the break, mm-hmm. and we were wrong, Mark. Of I told we you were. that uh, I told you that Mary Ruart uh, writ, uh, wrote "Healing Our World," and she addresses the New York taxicab medallion issue in that book. Right, and she mentioned a hundred thousand dollars as the cost of the medallion. Now that I'm thinking about it, she originally wrote that book in the early 1990s. So, as you might imagine, the price is no longer $100,000. In fact, I'm looking at the monthly medallion sales roster from the TLC, the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission, for the year of 2006. In fact, the average price of the taxicab medallion 
goes up over the year. It just keeps going up and up and up. So $346,000 was what it was in January of 2006. In December, $411,000. This is the price per medallion. And those are for individual sales. For corporation corporate sales, it's higher. $400,000 in January, $525,000 in December. Half mil. Half a million dollars to run one cab around New York City. Now, that doesn't sound like an annual fee. It doesn't seem like... No, I, I, can't, I can't imagine, imagine it would be I can't an annual imagine it fee. Would be. There's no way you could make that money. There's no way you could. Uh, I, 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 it's probably you could make the money, but years. you wouldn't make a heck of a lot more off of it. And But the thing is, I'd like to bring up about this half mil, mm-hmm. is why do you think a taxi cab company goes into business um, with this half mil overhead? Because they're protected. Well, they're protected, but um, you know when they from when you look at it directly from their point of view, well, we have to spend this half mil because we're going to make a bunch more, and we'll just pass the costs on to our customers. Right. I mean, they know that there's money to be made. The, what what's happening here is essentially New York is attempting, um, you know, to limit the um, the amount of taxi cabs that are on the the, the street, and by you know put, passing out these medallions. Right. And um, you know. What they do in the process is drive up the cost of the cabs. I realize that um, perhaps there would be more cars on the streets. I can't imagine how you would put more cars on the streets during rush hour in New York. I don't know how you do it. It looks, it's just the cars are there. The Jenny cabs, they are, but they're not as they're not as prevalent as they were. Dollar would vans, so, um, you know, perhaps I, I can't tell you by what expo, exponent that they would be increased by, but they would be increased if there was no government. That's regulation. like saying there would be more drug dealers if we legalized drugs. In fact, there probably would be there less. Would, there would be more drug dealers because every corner store that felt like selling drugs would, would then be a drug dealer. Maybe. I don't know, Mark. There are a lot of drug dealers out there right now. I understand, but I doubt very seri- I doubt there would be less. I, I doubt there would be a significant amount more. I, okay. Um, but at that point, you would have the drug dealers that deal drugs dealing more different types of drugs. Um, I'm not proposing that... Uh, it you know th- what's going to happen is the market, in this case, the streets of New York, are going to figure out how many cabs can handle it. Because if I'm taking a cab to work and I can't get to work on time, Just um, take the subway. I'm going to take something else. And then, you know, that guy's going to be like, well, this business isn't really working out for right. me. And uh, he's going to go on and do something else. It seems odd to me that uh, that somehow you can live in New York City and uh, the subway system doesn't, doesn't serve you. But, um, you know, I, what do I know? I'm not there. I haven't been able to determine if it's a lifetime medallion or not. I believe it is because you can transfer them. And if it's not lifetime, it's got to be a significant number of years. And if you've got any idea as to what the real truth is, 800-259-9231. But essentially, once you get out of the business, if you want to get out of your um, cab business, then you can sell off, you can auction off your uh, existing medallion somehow and transfer it over to somebody else. I'm Mm -hmm. sure the city gets a cut of anything like that. Uh, But nonetheless, just tremendous prices, $400,000 for a taxi cab medallion. In the city of New York, just just insanity. I mean, their their website is is huge. The New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission. There's closing. Co- I mean, there's a two thousand dollar deposit just to bid. They come up with auctions. They'll uh, what the city will do is when it feels like raking in a whole bunch more money, it'll just create some more new medallions and auction them off. Well, so um, there isn't a set price for these medallions. It goes for whatever the so-called market. Uh, will bear. Well, that 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 is the market. It's just an art, it's sort of 
artificial. It's playing with the market. That's the market yeah. effe- being affected by their medallion. It's only a, it's right exactly. It's only a market of people who can play the big big pool. Yeah, because that's serious cash. Uh, and then they have God a fighting. Knows, God knows if you had a car and were willing to uh, you know pick some people up and take them to work or yeah. wherever it is that they wanted to go. You're a criminal. Yeah. Unless you want to get financing, they have financing. <laughs> financing. Can you imagine for getting a half into debt on that mill. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, here's a little uh, bad... Well, they, they know um, that they, they want to finance you on that because they know you have an asset that's not going down in value. We're going to fi- uh, wrap things out here tonight, I think, with uh, some bad news, some news that inevitably was uh, going to happen if you gave it enough time, and it finally has. Quote, I was made to feel like a criminal, made to feel low, dirty, just totally degraded, recalled Tim Naveau, com, reporting in the Quad Cities area. He's talking about the hours that he spent in Rock Island County Jail. Why? Well, because he has allergies. Quote, they searched me, made me take my shirt off, my shoes off, he recounted. Tim takes one 24-hour Claritin D tablet just about every day. Hmm. And that puts him under the legal limit, just under the legal limit, of the 7,500 milligrams of pseudoephedrine per month that one can purchase in the Quad Cities area. The limit is part of a new law that Quad Cities authorities are beginning to strictly enforce. Beginning to strictly enforce. So, so they passed going... it a while ago. Yeah. And they let you get used to it. It just sort of sits there. You didn't think then... it was a big deal, but yep. here we go. The law limits the amount of pseudoephedrine you can buy. Pseudoephedrine is an ingredient in medicines like Sudafed and Claritin D. And it's also a key ingredient in methamphetamines. Tim explained, it's the only allergy medicine that works for me. For my allergies, because they tried coming out with those alternate versions where they don't have pseudoephedrine in it, eh, apparently that doesn't work for everybody. The only problem is, Tim has a teenage son who, as you might imagine, being of Tim's uh, gene pool, also suffers from allergies. Ooh. But guess what? Minors can't buy their own pseudoephedrine. So Tim has to purchase for both of them. Right, but Tim, on his own habits... On his own needs for the uh, for the product. Right, it's not even a habit. I mean, he, he he's needs. I don't believe that pseudoephedrine uh, is habit forming. On his own needs is just under the legal limit. So, quote, I bought some for my boy because he was going away to church camp and he needed it. That decision put Tim over the legal limit. Two months later, there was a warrant for his arrest. I was flabbergasted, he said, just totally amazed that I could be in trouble. Renee Sandoval, director of the Quad Cities Metropolitan Enforcement Agency, the agency that enforces the law, says it's meant to catch meth makers and does. We've seen a huge decline in methamphetamine labs, says Sandoval. But even if you're not making meth, if you go over that limit of one maximum strength pill per day, you will be arrested. Does it take drastic measures, says the cop? Absolutely. Have we seen a positive result? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so what if this guy has to suffer with uh, allergies? That's or right. His, or We're his shutting kid down has to... meth labs. We're shutting down meth labs, darn it. Send your kid to camp without the damn pills, buddy. But for Tim, the law's going too far. He says, quote, I believe I'm a good citizen. I don't believe I'm doing anything wrong, and I believe they're going after the wrong people. Sandoval, however, says the law applies to everybody, so everybody needs to keep track of how much pseudoephedrine is in the medicine they're buying. And how much you're buying. Keep track of all that. Get a get a data sheet, a spreadsheet out. Yeah. You need to keep track of all the pseudoephedrine you're buying. Make sure you're not going over the limits or we're going to be knocking on your front door. In fact, we might just bust it in. Because we love doing that crap. 
I've heard people smoke pot out of apples. Do we have to count how many apples we buy, too? Tim Naveau went to several different pharmacies to buy the Claritin D. He was charged with a Class B misdemeanor. Good Lord. 1-800-259-9231. It is nuts. And he is going to be just the first in a long line of people who innocently cross the cross the law, break the law. They don't realize the penalties. They don't... Re- no, but it's He ignorance. just wants to get his allergies treated. Ignorance of the law is an excuse. And even in this case, the law sucks. And mm-hmm. I don't blame him for buying his son the uh, Sudafed or the Claritin D that he needed. And you should be absolutely outraged that this is going on in the so-called land of the free. It's been in here with you. And Mark. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. We just legalized drugs. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.